This is Restart Hope with Pastor Joel Sicker on FM 94.1 The Voice. Is nature bad? No, God made it for your blessing. But when you make meditation all about nature, you're using what God created to drive you away from the Creator. Hey, New Age people, you got to listen to me. I'm so glad that you respect nature. Good job. I love that we respect nature. We have to, in fact, we as believers, we have to value what God has created for us and nurture it and take care of it and protect it and rejoice in it. The Bible says that the heavens declare the glories of God. Even nature is screaming out that there is a creator. All creation is groaning, waiting for its redemption, waiting for its creator to show up and take ownership of this, of this land. But when you only go and begin to make your meditation all about becoming natural, you're using the created things to drive you away from the creator. Now, there's another thing that, that people use a lot when it comes to meditation, which is what? Breathing. In fact, I was shocked when I heard that there's different patterns that people have made on breathing. Can you believe that? Oh, he breathed three short breaths and two long breaths. Sue him. That's my pattern for breathing. I have some friends who, that, that's their job now. They teach people how to breathe. Is breathing bad? No, breathing is good. Don't stop breathing. Deep breath in, deep breath out. Thank God for every breath that you have. Breathing is good. But when you make breathing all about meditation, you're using the gift that God's given you to drive you further away from the God who gave you breath. Are you with me tonight? You see, the world always will take what God has given you as a blessing to draw you away from the God of blessing. And believers, you got to be careful because oftentimes... We stopped doing what God commanded us to do because the world has taken those words and made it mean something else. So don't be frightened when I talk about meditation. Or you could say, well, it's quiet time. No, meditation is a good thing to be able to meditate, to ponder on God's word. So we saw the world describes meditation as whacked, breathing, empty your mind, spend time in nature. And a lot of people swear by that saying that, man, it's given me a lot of good. Well, maybe it gave you some good, man, but it has it given you life. Because the way God defines meditation is found in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Look at this. He says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it. So the Bible, number one, says that meditation is not emptying your mind and becoming one with nature. Meditation is filling your mind with the instructions of God. Meditation is not just empty your mind of all the worries. No, it is fill your mind with what God's word says. Fill your mind with what God's word has promised you. Fill your mind with the promises and the challenges that God is calling you to. On this, you should meditate day and night. That's how long. Why is that? So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written. Why does God want us to be careful to do according to all that is written? It is for then or because or only then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. So God's definition of meditation is not empty your mind, not get one with nature, not breathe in three long breaths, two short breaths, count one nostril 60 seconds, this next second nostril 60 seconds. There might be good in it, bad in it. I don't know, I'm not here to preach that. But God's word says meditating on his word means not emptying your mind, but filling your mind with him. What's happened in the church, however, is we define filling our mind very differently from what God wants us, the way God wants us to fill our mind. So in churches, I've, I've noticed this, and um, some of you, you've not read your Bible all year long. 
those of you watching in the future time, it's only been seven days since the year began. So it's quite possible that people have not read their Bible in seven days. It's quite possible that you've not read your Bible in a month. Or it's quite possible that last year, all year long, you never really read your Bible. The only quiet time you had was when you came to church. And there's a sense of shame that believers we carry when you haven't read your Bible. Before the pastor shows up to your home, you make sure you dust your Bible, put it on the table, open it to a passage that you know. Psalm 23, most of the time, I know you. Not going to make eye contact. You know, what are you meditating on? Psalm 23, brother. The Lord is my shepherd, man. Good for you, man. It's been five years. You're still over there. Good, 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 good. But what we do is we start off the year trying to read through the whole Bible, okay? I'm guilty of this. I've done it. Not that reading through the whole Bible in a year is wrong. But I want to ask you a question. Why are we in such a hurry to race from Genesis to Revelation? Why are we in such a hurry to run through the whole thing, read 15 chapters a day? And I've read through the whole Bible in multiple years, but end of the day, I remembered nothing. I don't know if you've ever been there where you sit and you read your Bible and you're like, hmm, that's good. You underline, you color some stuff. It makes you feel very important. And then you go about your day and you go to bed and you're like, I have no idea what I read. That's not what meditation is. That's not what pondering on God's word is. What God is calling us to do is not to read and read and read and read and stuff things in our memory. To ponder God's word is to chew on it is to read in such a way that it begins to embed in your life, that it begins to pour out through your pores, that in your sleep, when you're talking, it's so ingrained in your brain, in your subconscious that you begin to speak it. In fact, to ponder means for you to have scriptures as your primary preoccupation. To ponder on God's word means to have God's word as your primary preoccupation. Now, I'm guilty of this. Oftentimes, my primary preoccupation is looking at the weather to see if I can go on a motorcycle ride. The first thing I tell my wife is, what's the weather going to be like today? Right? And it becomes my, sometimes it's my primary preoccupation. I love going, standing in the garage, letting my motorcycle run for a little bit, coming back smelling of motorcycle fumes. That's my new deodorant. I love it. It's awesome. My dreads, man, it just absorbs all the smell. It's like, mm, feels good. I'm being, I'm being honest with you. For some of you, it's something else. I do not know. Food, cakes, donuts, right? God forbid that's a New Year resolution to cut that nonsense out. But to ponder on God's word means for you to change your primary preoccupation. You might want to write that down, actually. It's not going to be up on the slides, but your New Year resolution, man, if you want to grow in meditating on God's word, day and night, it has to be your primary preoccupation. When you go out into the world, when you're driving around, your primary preoccupation has got to be God's word. Now you tell me, man, you cannot read 15 chapters a day and be able to chew on something. You got to take it in bite sizes. In bite sizes, Psalm chapter 1 David writes and he says, Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So he tells us in verse 1 what this guy does not do. Verse 2, he tells us what he does do. Verse 2 says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. His delight, he's like, mm, this is good stuff. He delights in it. You ever delighted in something? You know, it's like, oh, a good bed when you're tired. 
a beautiful nap after a Thanksgiving meal, man. Oh, you delight yourself in that pillow, right? It's amazing. But this guy says, this man does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, does not stand in the way of sinners, does not sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. There's where his comfort is. There's where he's able to rest his head. There's where he finds peace and contentment. And on his law, he meditates day and night. That same word, ponder. On his law, he ponders. His primary preoccupation is the instructions of, the God, of, of his God. And what is the outcome of this? Verse 3, he's like a tree that's planted by streams of water that yields its fruits in season, and its leaf does not wither, and in all that he does, he prospers. Similar to what God tells Joshua in verse 8 of Joshua chapter 1, in all your ways you'll be prosperous and you'll find success. Watch out, church. Watch out, believers. Watch out in the way you ponder God's word. Maybe all your life you've been the one that's trying to race through the Bible. You want to know what these passages say. I'm telling you, there's some passages I don't even know what it says anymore because I've forgotten it. I've not read through it in a long time. Some of my child will be reading something, and I'm like, huh, was that the woman that killed a king? No, no, that was a different woman. Okay, that's a, the tent peg on the head, different. Okay, different, okay, fine. You know, but it's okay. It's okay. Give me this day my daily bread. God gave the people of Israel manna for that day. Get the food for that day. Get the food for that day that God's giving you. Let it become your primary preoccupation to keep chewing on all day long. Stop trying to impress yourself or other people with your big stunts of how far you read because you cannot meditate when you read that big chunks. Not that reading through the Bible in the whole year is wrong. Me personally, I'm too stupid for that. I've tried that and, and now I can maybe listen through the Bible in the whole year, but I get stuck. So this is how I do it. And by the way, I don't like preaching messages that are formula-driven. This is not a formula. This is a suggestion, okay? Can you say a suggestion? Thank you. It's not a command from God's Word. This is my suggestion to you. The command is to meditate. Now, I'm going to talk about how I do it, and maybe it'll benefit you. It'll give you a starting point, okay? It's not a command from God, but this is how I do it. I don't read big chunks because when I read big chunks, I get lost. Maybe you're smarter than me, and maybe you could do that. For me, maybe five to seven verses, I read one passage and I need to tap out because I want to be able to meditate on it all day long. I want it to become my primary preoccupation. So this is what I typically do. I read a, I read a passage. I read a, a decent chunk of it where I feel like I've got a gist of what's going on. And I want to be able to hold on to it. I want to read in such a way that I'm able to hold on to it for the whole day. Okay, And I ask myself three questions. When I read a passage, now I'm giving you stuff that I normally don't give anybody. This is my personal stash, okay? Once you get this, you'll know how I'm able to write my sermons. This is my blueprint. I ask myself three questions when I read a passage. Whether it's five verses or eight verses. The first question is, I ask myself, what do I learn about who man is? What do I learn about man? Because every passage will tell you what you learn about man. The second question I ask myself is, what do I learn about who God is? And the third question is my application, is how can I be more like who God wants me to be? Any passage you read, okay, you want to be able to meditate, you want to be able to ponder all day long, and this doesn't take you five hours to do. With five to seven verses, nine verses, whatever one passage is, ask yourself, man, what do I learn about man? I'm, I'm, I'm too, I like to protect myself, otherwise I would say, what do I learn about myself? <laughs> and I would hate my life. But I'm like, what do I learn about man? Man is sinful, man is wicked. 
What do I learn about God? God is holy. How can I be more like who God wants me to be? What are areas that I need to surrender in? This is my personal study guide. And there's one passage that, once again, I'm giving you my personal stash, okay? I'm, I'm kind of showing you my, my personal life over here. A passage for me that um, I'm unable to get past, man. Every time I spend time with the Word, I'll always go back to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 is a passage that really stands in my face whenever I go try to meditate on God's Word. So I, I, whatever I read, whatever I'm studying, always go back to Ephesians chapter 4 because this is what it says. And I'm giving you an illustration of what this looks like in my personal life, okay? You're with me? Yes. Ephesians 4 says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. So to apply what I was telling you earlier, what do I learn about God? God calls. God has called me. What I learn about God is this calling is not by accident. What I learn about God in that one verse is that God has chosen me. God has called me. God has looked at me, pointed his finger and said, Joel, I called you. Okay, let's see what we learn about man. Are you ready? Brace yourself. Seat belts on. Deep breath in. Deep breath out. It's going to get hard. And then it says, walk in a manner worthy of all calling with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. What do I learn about myself? Dear God, I fail a lot. I fall a lot because I'm unable to walk in humility in every area of my life. I'm unable to walk in gentleness. I'm unable to walk in patience. I'm not bearing with one another in love. In fact, I am walking around like an angry hippopotamus in my living room and my children are frightened of me. But God has called me. I don't know, fathers, if you can relate to this. God has called you to be a dad. But when you look at what you learn about man, you're like, man, I know you called me God and your calling is not by accident, but I lack humility. I lack gentleness. I'm cutting my wife off. I'm not letting her finish her sentence. I'm being rude with my children. I'm not being patient. I'm not bearing with one another. I'm not eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace in my own home. Dear God, help me with this. So the third question is, how can I be more like who God's calling me to be? Isn't that a good question to ask? What do I learn about God? Man, God calls me. This is just one passage that I'm giving you an illustration for on how to ponder on God's Word all day long. That's all the time we have for today, but we would like to hear from you. Our address is P.O. Box 2014, Eagle, Idaho, 83616. You can also listen to this message and more on the Living Church Boise app, available in your app store. 